the Lord. Hallelujah. We thank God for tonight. I'm so glad you are here, and I wish the whole church were here. Don't know those who are caught up in traffic and all of that. But tonight, I have no doubt at all that God has his word for us. Praise the Lord. I happen to have met my dear brother, Reverend Ellis Kofi, years ago, and as soon as we got together, we just knew that we were children of God. Amen. And uh, his passion, honestly, for the lost is tremendous, especially in the day in which we live, that the church of Jesus seemed to have lost that. Um, he doesn't relent on that at all. He does everything to go anywhere else in the village to bring the gospel to Jesus. Praise the Lord. And I believe that tonight, I have no doubt at all that God brought him here, that he may share his heart together with us from the word of God, so that we will rise up to this great work that has been committed into our hands by the Lord Jesus. Now he has a ministry, World Evangelism Ministries. Um, as the name goes, so he does. Praise the Lord. I've had the privilege of ministering a couple of times at his place. And his heart goes out for this truth. And so tonight I would like for you to really open up your heart. As he brings us the word of God. So we try to remind ourselves on this great mission that we have received of the Lord. And so we would like to receive him in the name of the Lord Jesus, Reverend Ellis Kofi. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Shall we please lift our hands and worship the Lord? He's worthy to be praised. It's worthy to be adored. Only you are worthy, Lord. Only you are worthy to be praised. Only you are worthy to be honored. Only you are worthy of worship. Only you are worthy, Lord. Mando brahaki shadalama di breketelemos. You are worthy to be praised. You are worthy to be praised. You are worthy to be praised. What a privilege to be in your presence. What a privilege to hear your word. Worthy to be praised. Our Lord is worthy to be praised. O Malikashtoba Halekitas. Mendalababori Akishalamando Sakatash. Oh yes, Lord, tonight we ascribe all worship and praise. To you alone, Makalabadahizas. E Malakobarida.
Katora bada. Inda la babari andoro bokotoro Inda la makantis. I don't know if we can sing this song, but it's ringing in my heart. Holy, holy Lord Almighty. It's a privilege to worship you. Maker of all universe. It's an honor just to stand before you. Holy, holy. God Almighty, help me sing it, please. It's a privilege to worship me. Maker of all universe, it's an honor just to stand before you. With a grateful heart, I lift my hands to you, proclaiming, Lord, you reign. With a grateful heart, with a grateful heart, I lift my hands to you, proclaiming, Lord, you Yes, you reign. Help me sing. Great are you, Lord. Greatly to be praised. Greatly to be praised. Father, you reign. Great are you, Lord. You are greatly to be praised. Greatly to be praised, Father, great, great are you, Lord. Greatly to be praised, greatly to be praised, Father, you reign. Great are you, Lord. Greatly to be praised.
the last time with our voices alone. Let's tell him. Great are you, Lord. Great are you, Lord. You are, you are. We can do it again for the last time. Great are you, Lord. Sing you are great. Great are you, Lord. Like you, Lord. Great are you, Lord. Great are you, Lord. Father, tonight we celebrate your greatness. We celebrate your awesome power. None can be compared unto you. In the heavens above, on the earth, under the earth. Tonight, we acknowledge the privilege to be here. And we humble ourselves to your word. We receive your word with meekness. We lay aside all filthiness and stubbornness. And we receive with meekness your word, which is able to save our souls, to transform our lives, which is able to give us an inheritance. We give you glory and honor. Let every power of misrepresentation be blocked by the power of the Holy Ghost. Any oppression of the powers of darkness to misrepresent your word. In the name of Jesus, we come against it. We pray that your word will have a free course. In the name of Jesus. As your word comes, let the sick be healed. Let the oppressed be set free. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Amen. Thank you so much. Um, it's always a privilege for me when I'm invited here to minister. And, and I must confess that um, anytime I see Reverend Dennis and his wife and their wonderful team, frankly, it gives me a lot of hope because you know that we can also continue you know, this work of sowing, because you see people who have done it for years and they are still maintaining the course and God is blessing their work and God is enlarging the work and so it encourages us to continue. The other day I was at um, a hotel uh, for a conference. A friend invited me I think she was, uh, well, I've forgotten the, the conference, um, the purpose of the conference. was at Holiday Inn. Then I met a few friends that I knew from campus who were also in the ministry. You know, and when I met them, we were having a chat. 
And you know, suddenly I realized that they had changed because the line of the conversation was all about money. You know, and I, I, I was so broken in my heart as I heard um, this brother because the first, one of the first people I met who challenged me to be radical about soul winning was this guy. We went for a mission somewhere at Esiaqua. I was then a student. And I must confess, I had never seen anybody with such passion. He was so fearless. I tell you, when we entered the marketplace, he would preach to everybody he knew. In fact, he joined the ministry and planted about five churches. Yes. But I met him this time. And he was talking a lot about money. You know, and... Sometimes it scares you, but when I see people like Reverend Dennis, um, it encourages me, and I know that God will help us. Because when we were talking, I was trying to draw his attention to the main thing. You know, and he said something. He said something. He said that uh, if I was comparing me to a certain pastor in Ghana who was just interested in planting churches, and sending missionaries. I don't want to mention the name of the pastor. But he said, oh, you, we've heard about you. That you've made yourself like this person. And Charlie, it was just rubbishing everything I was doing. You know, and in fact, when he even compared me to that person, I was thanking God. I said, hey, Lord. Because he was thinking that maybe he was putting me down. You know, but I was so encouraged. It's like being told that you are like Reverend Dennis. You know, I think that I found it as a great blessing from God. Yeah, and I was so encouraged. And I want us to be very passionate about, you know, soul winning. I want to share a few things because um, it is becoming very much... And popular. I think that God always has a remnant. But it looks like the, it's like the, the, maybe the first generation of people who caught the Pentecostal charismatic fire. Maybe some of them will look at people who are still focused on this. It's like those people with this strong SU background and this first fire, you know, Pentecostal charismatic fire and evangelical fire, but it appears that those of us in this generation, as God is calling us into the ministry, you know, it's like we have more, we have become more of cyber pastors, and um, even though it's very important because of the times in which we live, um, the internet is very strong and all that, but if you follow the trend of ministry, you realize that it has become more of public image. How you present yourself on Facebook and how you present your ministry on social media and the type of nice pictures that are there and the special programs you hold and the, the type of people you have. In, and you know, that is what is happening. And 
we need to pray. We need to pray. And like, like, like God said, we must even, he said, if we say we are prophets and we are called by God, then we must even preserve the little that is left. Do you see? So it is a very serious thing. And what I'm going to share with you is from my heart. Because I believe that um, you cannot be in a church like this and be like someone who is in another church not having a pastor like Reverend Dennis. No, because, because God is going to judge us by the things, a lot of the things we have heard. Jesus said, I'm not going to judge you, but the words, the words that I'm speaking of you, the words that you are hearing, is going to be your judge. That's what, that's what's going to judge you. You know, so tonight, I want to, um, deal with certain mentality of Christians, a certain mentality of Christians that makes us to be pure warmers rather than active uh, members in the ministry, you know, as far as soul winning is concerned. Amen. Um, tonight I came with Reverend um, Anyeming, um, Amating Anyeming. Reverend Amating is, um, is with me now at the, at the headquarters. I, when he completed the University of Ghana, I sent him um, to WA branch. He pastored our WA branch. And then um, I moved him from the WA branch to Adan for branch. And then I want to send him to Kumasi to start our Kumasi church. So I felt like he should come a little. He's been away for years. He should come a little and refresh himself. And then he will be sent to Kumasi. One of the reasons I haven't sent him is because his wife hasn't completed law school. So when she completes, he will be gone. Amen. And Reverend Amartin, can you give us a wave? Such a passionate. Um, he's actually he's coming from a Muslim home. Yeah, and when he got born again, the cup that he drinks from, nobody touches it in the house. And um, he was very much ill-treated. But he followed. And he's doing great things for God. Amen. Amen. And then I came with Reverend Gabriel Ate. He's been my um, technical director whilst he was a student on Legon campus. In fact, when we go for crusades, you see him sleeping on the field because of his equipment. He wouldn't leave them on the field. Very passionate about getting a great sound. And he's, one thing I realized about Reverend Gabriel is that when we started our ministry, we started something like satellite churches. And that's when I recognized that the grace of God was upon him. Because I thought he was just maybe into sound. But whenever I gave him a satellite church to handle, when people handle satellite churches, maybe on Sunday they will bring like eight people to church, seven people. And Gabriel will be bringing like 32 people to church. You know, so... I suddenly recognized. So I tried it three times. I moved him from where he was to another satellite church. And he, the place also increased again. Then I moved him to another place. And the place, and I realized that the grace of God was upon him. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Tonight, I want us to read a few scriptures. I just want to share something very short. And then we'll pray. Amen. 
Hallelujah. Lord help us. Amen. Um, in Mark chapter 13, verse 37. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Mark chapter 13, verse 37. Jesus said to the disciples, you know, he was talking about the signs of the enter, but this is a very profound statement that we must apply to our lives. He says, and what I say to you, I say to all, watch, watch. That means, um, if you take out the watch there, that principle of whatever Jesus said to his 12 disciples, or to his 70, or to his 120, or to the 500 on his ascension, or maybe the 120 that remained in the upper room, whatever he said to them, he says to all of us. You know, Reverend Dennis, one thing I've realized is that a lot of people treat soul winning and the work of the ministry as if it is for just a selected few. In fact, one of the reasons why in our church, I'm not saying it's wrong, but I decided that there will be no evangelism ministry in our church. We don't have evangelism ministry in our church. And it's very intentional because I wanted to intentionally let people know that evangelism is not just for a ministry like some people, you know, because sometimes, because we have prayer ministry and we have um, other ministries, some people feel that it's for just a few people. So I told myself that there will be no evangelism ministry in our church. It is not wrong per se, but that was my personal conviction. See, because people have certain mentalities. I've met so many people. Some are career men and women, businessmen. And when you talk to them about working for God, being conscious about the work of God, many of them, one day somebody told me that um, I'm not cut out for something like this. That's what he said to me. You know, he traveled to America and I was telling him why he needs to win souls and work for God. You know, and he was telling me that he feels that um, God has probably given him a ministry of just financing. Financing the ministry. And um, he doesn't think that he's cut out for this, you know, like winning souls and establishing them in the church and all that. But whatever Jesus said to his disciples, he says to all of us. Says to every one of us. In fact, most especially in our days, after the, after the great work of Jesus Christ, every New Testament believer is a priest. The Bible said, he has redeemed us out of every nation, out of every kindred. You know what he says. And he has made us unto our God kings and priests. Kings and priests. You know, but when we talk about kingship, because it comes with dominion, wealth, royalty, a lot of Christians only accept 
the kingly side of the finished work of Christ. You know, he has given us power. When you think about a king, what do you think about? Power. He has people under him. So we have principalities and powers all about under us. So when you look at the church space, you realize that every time we teach about this side of his riches in glory, in the saints, people seem to appreciate it so much. You know, when we tell them he became poor so that you are rich in him, when we tell them that in Christ Jesus you are more than a conqueror, when we tell them that um, because the greater one is in us, we have overcome them. That means all of them put together. When we tell them that we are risen with Christ and we are seated with Him in heavenly places, far above all principalities and powers and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world but in that which is to come, you find the whole church coming alive. It's true because I also teach it because it's Bible. Amen. So, you find people coming alive. And you find people giving a lot. You know, when you talk about these things that make people feel good and they make them, it makes them feel like they can overcome, they can make it in life. You know, they can really make it financially. You find them so that they flow in the church. They give a lot. Mercy. But he said we are kings and priests. Priests. We are not just kings in Christ. We are priests. Jesus did not only give us victory over all the powers of the enemy and over all the things that were against us. People of God, he gave us a ministry. That's one thing we need to know as Christians. You know, and... Jesus said something to the disciples in, in um, John chapter 20, I believe. John chapter 20. John chapter 20, verse 21. Hallelujah. Then said Jesus to them again, Peace be unto you, as my Father has sent me, even so send I you. So this is Jesus talking to the twelve. You know, when you just read this scripture and you think he's just talking to the disciples, you are going to reduce um, living like Jesus to just the twelve disciples. You know, as far as his mission is concerned. We are looking at soul winning being our mission as Christians. Is it our real assignment? Or maybe some people are cut out to just do business. Some are cut out to just be in the academia. You know, I think that one of the most erroneous teachings in the body of Christ is when people are made to feel that their secular work is their ministry itself. Now, the secular work is an opportunity to do the ministry. But that's not the ministry. So some people think that, oh, mine is to do that. This other guy is like, when he closes, he's in the evangelism ministry. He must go out there and win some souls. But it's one of the greatest lies the enemy has told the church. So people are so overtaken by whatever they do in this world that they have forgotten the main mission that God wants them to follow. 
And that's what I want to share with you. You see, we need to overcome that deception. It's a deception from hell. And many of us may realize it when it's too late. You know, it's too late. It may, it may be too late to realize that all the things we were pursuing were actually like chasing the wind. Mercy. Amen. As my Father has sent me, so send I you. So this is Jesus talking to me. Ladies and gentlemen, what was Jesus sent to do? Why did the Father send Jesus? He said, as the Father has sent me, that's me to send in you with the same mission. The same call. I want us to see that the ministry of Jesus, the mission that Jesus had, has become our ministry, has become our mission, has become our calling. And we need to accept it as a church. So, as my father has sent me, so have I also sent you. Praise the Lord. What was Jesus' mission? What was Jesus' mission? Praise the Lord. In John chapter, uh, Luke chapter 19, I'm sorry. Luke chapter 19, when you read, um, you know, I, I think I've read this passage. From verse 5, it talks about um, Zacchaeus. Amen. When Jesus met Zacchaeus and told him to come down because salvation, you know, was, was coming to his house. And Zacchaeus came down. And the Bible said, when Zacchaeus came down, the pastors of the day, these were the church leaders of the day, these were the, the believers of the day. Bible said, they began to murmur. You know, they felt they were very holy, and they were very pure, and they would not actually relate with unbelievers. Amen. One of the things the Lord taught me is that... Um, if we don't learn to build bridges to reach unbelievers, they are going to go farther and farther away from us. You see, that's why I think that if you are even in the secular world and you are even building a career, you are out there, you know, where, you know, when we, if I'm in full-time ministry, most of the time, maybe I'm in an environment where I'm ministering or I'm, I'm working as a pastor. But, if you are just there, maybe in the bank, in the hospital, I tell you that you have even a greater opportunity than I do. Because, you know, why were the Samaritans not having a relationship with the Jews? Why were they not saved? Salvation came to the Jews and it was not going to the Samaritans. And it was Jesus who was able to break that barrier. What did Jesus do? When Jesus went to the well, excuse me, I'm just bringing that in. When Jesus went to the well, Jesus told the woman, give me water to drink. And the woman said, how can you, being a Jew, ask me of water? Then she said, for the Samaritans have no dealings with the Jews. Or the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. And that's why there was that line. You see, until we start having dealings with them. He said, the Jews had no dealings with the Samaritans. He said, how can you, being a Jew... Ask me your father. And when the disciples came and they saw, they were even astonished. So you see, we are not supposed to go out there and just, because we are Christians, we will not mess up. We will not cheat. We will not do, you know, we just present. No, no, no. We must learn to have dealings. We must learn to build bridges. 
That's how we reach them. Amen. Now, that's just by the way. So, I was trying to say that you have a better opportunity even um, if you are in the secular world. Amen. Here, Jesus is saying, Zacchaeus, come down. And the church leaders of the day started murmuring that he was going to be guest with a man that is a sinner. And Jesus made a statement to reveal that even though they were the leaders of the church, they didn't understand the heart of God. Because the heart of God was not to have a line of division. God, in fact, God wants to reconcile the whole world to himself. The whole world to himself. So, these guys say he was going to be guest with the sinner. And Jesus made a statement. He referred to why he was here. And he said in verse 10, For the Son of Man is come, is come to seek and to save that which was lost. Praise the Lord. Oh, hallelujah. I hope you are here. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. I think I left my face towel in the car or something. I don't know. I don't know if I even picked it. Maybe if I get a handkerchief or a face towel. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. Hallelujah. It's okay. Thank you. Amen. Wow. So, so I'm trying to say something. You know, first of all, we've, we've been able to prove that whatever Jesus says to his disciples, he says to us. And if you're a good student of the Bible... I just gave you one scripture, but you know that that's what it really is. Amen and amen. Now, and then, we have also established that as Jesus was sent, we, he has also given us the same mission. He said, as my father has sent me, even so send I you. So it's not a different mission. And now we are finding out what was Jesus sent to do? So that we settle this thing once and for all. You know, whatever Jesus said to his disciples, he says to us, Amen and Amen. And Jesus Christ said to his disciples, As my Father has sent me, so send I you. And we are now finding out what was Jesus sent to do. He says, for the Son of Man is come to seek, to seek. That represents reaching out. That represents going to where the lost are. You know, one man of God said something, and it really touched me, and it's true. He said, it doesn't matter how much we scream in the church, those outside don't hear us. Especially in this day and time, where... Virtually every part of our Christ is developed. I'm sure maybe because you put up this church many years ago, if you were building this church now, you'll be forced to make it fully air-conditioned and you, you allow any sound to go out. Because so now we can scream in the church and nobody hears us. We can preach in the church nobody hears us. The only time they hear us is when we go out there. That's the truth. That's the truth. And more than ever, there's a greater need to even go out there. 
When I go out there, one of the things I see is that we need a lot of churches. The reason being that Jesus said he has come to seek, to seek and to save. I think that the safe part includes leading somebody to Christ and establishing them in their church, which is discipleship. Because salvation is in three folds. If we know that, you know, when you are saved, you receive that messianic restoration in your spirit. You are a child of God. And then you are being saved, which is actually the renewing of the Holy Spirit, where your soul is transformed from glory to glory. And then you'll be saved. That is when he appears or he raptures us. Amen. So now he says the son of man is come to seek That means reaching out. And this is what he has given us to do. Reaching out to the lost. Going out there where the lost are. To to share the good news of salvation. The good news of the finished work of Christ with them. And that's what he he has given us to do. That's our assignment. It's, It's as simple. Sometimes it amazes me why people think otherwise. And why people don't even accept it when it's preached. The Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. To save means that we must lead them to Christ. When we reach out to them, we must show them the way, bring them to life. And then when we bring them to life, we must establish them. We must establish them. And that's where I believe that real church planting must take place. Why am I saying this? When you go to the villages, you find people. Recently, I was in a village. And I met a group of Christians. They mentioned, you know, the church they attended. And, and, you know, after everything, I came down to Accra. And then I had a call from one of them because somebody had died. And I was amazed what they said. They said that in Chi, they said, Yakob Bissem. Because... You know, and then I realized that a lot of people in the villages, even in Accra, may think that they know the Lord, but actually, they are not really established in their faith. They think that you can be a Christian and be You know, we need churches. I'm tell- we need churches to really teach, to teach the word and establish people in their salvation. That's what Jesus came to do. To seek and to save. Now, I'm going somewhere. By the time I finish, you understand, you understand me clearly. I'm going somewhere. Now, so, Jesus gives us the same assignment as a church. And we are supposed to seek and to save the lost. So how is it that, I find it very difficult to understand how we think that the ministry, which is winning souls and establishing them in the faith, is for just a few people. Because, look, if you can just give me three scriptures that support that argument, I will change my mind. If you can just give me three scriptures that can Prove to us that ministry is not for all believers in the New Testament. Now, I didn't say 
all believers are apostles or prophets or evangelists or pastors or teachers. I didn't say that. But I'm saying that every believer is called into the ministry. That's what I'm saying. And I'm going to support it with scriptures. Because you see, a lot of us, and that's what I'm saying, there's deception in the body of Christ. We think that ministry, please follow me very well, ministry is for people who have a special call into the apostolic, into the prophetic, into the evangelistic, into the pastoral or teaching ministry. And when you deal with people who are not like apostles or prophets or in main frontline ministry, they seem to have that mentality. The moment you are pushing them into ministry, you find that they start, they, they begin to react. And they feel that, chale, chale, that's not my area. That's what it's, you know, it's not my area. It's not my area. Brother, hey, you know, I'm just, I just come to church. I pay my tithe. It's wrong. It's wrong. You see, we are going to find out later, or rather sooner than later. When we die, when you die, the day you die, you will start believing what I'm telling you. <laughs> the day you die, you start believing what I'm telling you. You are called into the ministry. And when I talk about into the ministry, I'm not just talking about being a member of the church or serving um, in the technical ministry. No, I'm talking about soul winning and discipleship. Every believer is called. Now, I want to even dare to say something. I want to dare it and I will say it because I will support it with scripture. I want to dare say that even pastoring or shepherding flock or a church is not the sole responsibility of those in the fivefold. In fact, you would understand in the New Testament model that the apostles were only on a mission to start churches and the churches were pastored by mature believers. That's the New Testament model. And you see, I believe that until we restore this New Testament model, church planting will suffer. Because how many people really have a spectacular call from God? How many people really have heard God calling them? Have heard God? You know, how many people? Many people, they just have a desire. Many people. How many people really hear God's voice calling them? And so if we reduce the ministry to just a spectacular call, you know, you have a child, they are serious about the work of God, and you start, are you a pastor? Are you called? If you are not called as a pastor, you know, slow down, slow down. This, You see, it's like, we, we don't understand who we are in the New Testament. In the New Testament, everybody is called into the ministry. Everybody. Everybody is a priest. No, please. Why do you not, you don't struggle to receive when I tell you that Jesus has made you rich because he became poor. You don't struggle to receive when I tell you that he has given you 
dominion over the powers of darkness because he trampled them underfoot and made a public spectacle of them. Why don't you, you don't struggle to receive when I tell you that when he, he was put on the cross and beating, all his stripes were paid for your sicknesses. You believe God for healing. You believe God for material prosperity. You believe God for dominion over the witches in your family because in Africa there are a lot of them, you know. And then, but you don't believe God when I tell you that as part of the finished work of Christ, the Bible says the veil was torn from the top to the bottom. And so now, there is no special, it's like you have to have a special calling to go there and perform the duties of ministry. No. Everybody in the New Testament has been brought by God into the holies. Why? Because the Spirit of God now lives in us. Everybody in the New Testament is called into the ministry. Look, I, I must tell you that when you mature as a believer, and Reverend Dennis wants to start a church. The other day I was at your church at Trade Fair here. Reverend Dennis wants to start a church at, say, Spring Test. Look, he can send you. The reason is that you don't need to be an apostle, a prophet, an evangelist, a pastor, or teacher. In fact, in the New Testament, those people even didn't pastor the churches. They were just moving around. They were not the one pastoring the churches. Peter, Apostle Paul. In fact, in all of Apostle Paul's ministry to Asia, you find him that the longest time he probably stayed in a place was like two and a half years. He told Titus, just as I ordained you, ordain elders in every city. That's the New Testament model. And the elders were simply mature believers. That's why he said, for the time you ought to be teachers. You see, after some time, God now expects a believer to come to the place where other people will be under you and you too, you are teaching them. That's, that must be the life of a believer. So, I want us to overcome, and I'm going to read from Ephesians 4 and a few scriptures and then I close. Amen. Please, am I communicating something? In Ephesians 4, you know, I've been, I've been in full-time ministry for a very short time, from 2007. Reverend Dennis has been doing ministry for a long time. But in, in this short time, I've discovered that a lot of people think that ministry is for just a few people. And they will just come to church, pay their tithe, give their offerings. And I tell you, Satan is rejoicing as he pushes this deception into the church. In Ephesians 4, where he talks about how he gave us apostles, Bible said he ascended, after that he descended, and then in verse 11 of Ephesians 4, and he gave some apostles, and some prophets, and some evangelists, and some pastors, and teachers, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry. Now, the work of the ministry did not come after verse 11. Now, in verse 11, he could have said, and he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the work of the ministry. But he didn't say that. He didn't say that. The work of the ministry is basically all the efforts, the accumulation of efforts that contribute to the 
seeking and saving of the lost. That's the work of the ministry. All efforts put together that lead to the seeking and saving of the lost. Or the winning of the lost and the establishing of the lost in the body of Christ. That's the work of the ministry. That's the work of the ministry. Praise the Lord. Oh, hallelujah. So, every one of us, please, can you say after me, I am called into the ministry. Please, let's say it well. I am called into the ministry. Now, what ministry is he talking about? It's the ministry of reconciliation. The ministry of bringing people to the saving knowledge of Christ. Amen. That's my ministry and that's your ministry. You know, some people tell me, maybe because you're an evangelist, in fact, Reverend Dennis, I must confess, when I go and have a crusade in the village and I put the evangelist and the scofi, the Lord has never told me I'm an evangelist. I put it there because I've come to preach the gospel. And I think it's not wrong because Paul, uh, the Bible said, do the work of an evangelist. So you can, you can use it. It's, it's allowed. It's allowed. It's allowed. Amen and amen. But in fact, I believe that one of my callings or one of my offices is that of an evangelist. Even though the Lord has not told me. I sense it so strongly. You know, but when the Lord Jesus appeared to me in my father's house, he told me specifically that he has called me as an apostle and as a prophet. That's what he told me. Based on the things he said to me, which I cannot share, you know, but <laughs> he's never told me like clearly like this that you are an evangelist. No. You know, so when I preached somewhere, when the pastor was rubbishing what I was saying, when I left, the one of his pastors was telling me, No, we need to be serious about this. When I listened to Pastor Ellis, he said, him, Oh, it's because he's, a, he's an evangelist. I'm a prophet. I'm a prophet. That's what he told the pastor. And the guy was, te- the pastor was telling me with a broken heart. He lives in China now. You know, he, his heart was broken. And he said, that's what his pastor said. And I told him, no, just don't, don't talk about your pastor. Just pray. You know, I was trying to help him. Amen. But you are called into the ministry. People don't like me when I say that. When I was a student on campus, a lot of the guys avoided my ministry. Reverend Gabby knows them. Because they said, this was what they were peddling around about me. That when you go to Pastor Ellis' church, he will tell you you have to work for God. That's what they were, they were saying about me. And they were avoiding me. Avoiding me. Meanwhile, many of them somehow felt that my ministry would be a blessing to them. But they avoided me. Today I meet some of them and they have regretted greatly not following. This uh, last week, one of them was in my office with serious issues and as I was counseling him I told him, I said, you run away from me you run away from me you know so a lot of us, we just want to be in the secular world, build a career, have a good job you know, you have a good family the day you die the day you appear before the Lord, all these things are not respected they are not respected they are not, they are not they will not give you a place Please forgive me, but you see, if you have a house at Trazaco or Cantonment or um, uh, East Airport, it doesn't translate into a mansion in heaven. 
No. You can be very pathetic in heaven. In fact, weeping and gnashing your teeth. Why? Because you entered heaven with nothing. No ministries. What gives you an inheritance in heaven is the work of the ministry. Why? You see, not every one of us is called or would be in full-time apostolic, prophetic, evangelistic, pastoral, and teaching ministry. Not every one of us. That is why when you, when, you, when you get born again, you are not immediately taken up to heaven. As you are here, as you are here, ladies and gentlemen, as you are here and you are not immediately taken into heaven, I think that's why maybe you are working as a doctor. That's why maybe you are working as an accountant. Because if it is just for you to be an accountant, God, God would have taken you away the day you got born again. Because leaving you as an accountant even can make you to miss heaven because of temptations. So if it was just that, then he would have taken us just to preserve us. Amen and amen. I hope you are getting what I'm saying. There is a higher purpose. And that's what I'm sharing with us. Everybody who is born again, you are called into the ministry. And it is the reason why God leaves you here when you get born again. Otherwise, he, you are better off not being in this world. Because of the decadence in this world, it would have been better for God to just take us away. Amen. Now, praise the Lord. I hope I'm making some friends today. Amen. Amen. For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Amen. Oh, amen. Now, in this verse, we see that when we come to the place as saints and understand our calling into the ministry, it will lead to the building of the body of Christ. The building, the edifying of the body of Christ. Now, let me leave here. I want to leave here and go to another place. Let's go to John chapter 4. Praise the Lord. Amen. Wow. Very soon I'll be bringing my message to an end. So here we see Jesus with a woman at the well. You know, and Jesus was telling the woman to give him water. And he was preaching salvation to the woman. I can't read the whole passage. Um can read from verse 1, but um, let me jump. Verse 28. The woman then left her water pot and went her way into the city and saith to the man, Come, see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Um, It's not this the Christ. Then they went out of the city and came unto him. In the meanwhile, his disciples prayed him, saying, Master, eat. But he said unto them, I have meat to eat that you know not of. Therefore said the disciples one to another, has any man brought him 
ought to eat or anything to eat. Verse 34. Jesus saith unto them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. Amen. Amen. I'm trying to prove something here. What am I trying to prove? You know, the work of the ministry is why Jesus came. And he has sent us in the same order. The same order of mission that Jesus had, he has committed to us. And here Jesus is describing his mission again. Now, what was Jesus doing? Jesus Christ was presenting the living water, the living water of salvation to the woman. And he's saying that, please follow what he said, my meat or what satisfies me is to do the will of him that sent me. So, what is the will of the one who sent Jesus? What's the will? What, why was he sent? What was the purpose? Jesus was sent... To bring salvation to the lost. We know that, but I'm trying to show you something. He was said to bring salvation to the lost. And he's saying that, that is the will of the one who sent me. You see, and he, he has sent us with the same order. Now, can I say something? So if you just wake up and go to work and just fill some forms, and do, you are born again with this mission, you go and do your work, you balance all the figures. You make sure all the money is there all right. You are so honest. You come back home. You are taking your children to school. You are a church member. You have a nice family. I want to ask you. Are you really doing the will of the one who sent you? It's a question. If you are not involved in presenting the living water to people, you may be working for them. Doing all everything. But the question is, you have been sent. You have been sent to do what? Is it to balance figures? Have you been sent to just um, give medicine to people? Let me shock you. Jesus said, don't be afraid of those who can hurt the body, but cannot do anything to the soul. Now, it also means, please listen, if, let's say, forgive me, but let's say you're a medical doctor, and you help to take very good care of people, very good care, and it's good because God appreciates that, that ministry of compassion, God appreciates that. But do you know that you have not really done much if you don't um, minister to their souls? Because he says, don't think much about people who can just kill the body, but cannot do anything to the soul. They don't have power over the soul. So let me ask you, imagine you are in heaven and you had a great medical life on the earth and you were able to help thousands of people. But there you are and in heaven they show you all the people you took care of. But as you saw them from heaven, you saw all of them, they were going to hell like this. Meanwhile, when they came to your, your hospital, you gave them the best drugs. Every one of them got healed. In fact, people didn't die a lot under your care. You were such a good doctor. But the question is, is that really the will of God? That you just give them medicine and heal their bodies when you don't have power over their souls? Of what benefit is it? If you take off so many bodies and all of them go to hell. Of what benefit? 
Of what benefit is it? If you say, I've employed 200 people, they work for me. I put food on their table. Food on the table of people who are on their way to hell. Of what benefit is it? So you see, Christians, Christians must change. That's not God's main will. The reason why we are doing that is because we are here for a while. If you are here for a while and you are not in full-time ministry, you will probably be working in something secular. That is just, we must not see that as our main thing. If it were our main thing, unbelievers would not be doing it. Because God would not, why would that be our main thing if unbelievers also have it? How can that be our main thing? He said, the will of my father, that's the will of my father, that this woman will be saved. And this is the meat that satisfies me. You see, so I challenge you, don't just be a secular worker. Don't just pay your tithe. Don't just pay salaries. Don't just employ people. You may probably be doing great things, but you are not doing the will of the Father. He said, it is not the will of your Father that even one should perish. It is the will of your Father. If you want to know the will of your Father, it's so that people will be saved. Nobody will be rewarded in heaven for paying the salary of 200 people every month. That you get to heaven. For paying the salary of 200, for having the biggest business in the world, for challenging um, Google and, uh, and challenging uh, uh, whatever, this is your seat in heaven. Nobody respects you for that. Nobody. Nobody. This is the will of him that sent me. If we have been sent with the same order, that Jesus, the same order of ministry that Jesus had, we also have. We must be serious about souls. Serious about souls. When I was a student on campus, preaching from room to room, preaching from hall to hall, people said to me, whenever I try to push them into the ministry, they say things like, look, we came here to learn. And I asked them, who came here to establish a church? Who, when your mother was taking you to the university, said, go and establish a church. No. Why are we doing what we are doing? Because we are Christians. Because we are Christians, and that's our calling. That's our mission. The same way Jesus was sent to seek and to save the Lord, that's our calling. Whether you are an apostle, a prophet, an evangelist, a pastor, or you are just a saint. With no such special calling. You know. It's, it's very serious. And today you find churches. Where people are just encouraged. That you know. I have, I, it's in the Bible. It's in the Bible. When you read about the gifts. The, the, the gifts of the spirit. The supernatural endowments of the spirit. To, to believers. There are people with the gift of giving. It's biblical. And Bible says they must do it with simplicity. They must, and you see. Remember, it's when you see somebody with a gift of giving. It's not those who don't want to work for God because of that. They just make excuses, you know. In fact, people with the gift of giving, they wish they would not be in their office when you are going for evangelism. They wish they would be there. There is so, that is why, that is why a man like Algin Letonu, that is why he was giving 90% of his income and he was living, he flipped this tight thing. He was giving 90% and he was using 10% for himself. When you see somebody with a gift of giving, you see it. They are so active in the ministry. Today people use that as an excuse not to be active in the church. I think my calling is to just give. How much do you even give is the question. Please forgive me, but I feel I should talk to you. 
You know, how much you even give? That because of that, you don't have time to do the main thing. What is the will of the one who has sent you? That you just be a nice, honest worker? You know, I'm a good Christian in my office. Never stolen. Never manipulated figures. Is that the will of the Father? Of what use is that paper to God? Sacrifices and offerings thou wouldest not. A body has thou prepared. God is looking for souls. When God, look, the reason why God gave you that company is so that you will have an opportunity to probably have all these 200 people working for you and bring them to Christ because he has given you influence. He has given you power, not just to pay their salaries. No. No. So I want us to, that's why I came here tonight. This whole thing that makes you feel like this thing about the work of God, the ministry, is for some few people. Please don't only accept that you are a king. You must also accept that you are a priest. You are a priest. Jesus did not only make you a king. He made you a priest. He made you a priest. You can't accept a part of his finished work and reject some. What has he made you? We all know this. Second Corinthians 5. God was in Christ. Reconciling the world unto himself. Now let me say this. Now. Now, Christ is in us, reconciling the world unto himself. When he was here in person, God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself. Now, Christ is not here in person. And he himself said it. He said, now we are ambassadors. In other words, now we are the ones representing him. So now Christ is in us. Reconciling the world unto himself. If we keep quiet, this work will fail. Of course, maybe God will raise himself and other people. I don't know. Second Corinthians 5. Let me read that and close. Maybe we continue next week. Uh, tomorrow, I'm sorry. In my church, I always say next week. So when I teach this Tuesday, I'll say next week. So forgive me. <laughs> Amen. Sometimes I, I pray that when I say this, is I say, businessmen should not be angry with me because of this message. They should rather love me. They should rather say, man of God, what you are saying is good. Now we are going to even give more for church planting and for the ministry. Don't be offended when we tell you because, because, because you may be angry with me, but when you die, you start believing me. You start believing me. Look, one day the disciples saw the great stones of the temple. And Jesus said, not even one stone will be left on another. I guarantee you, your skyscraper, not even one will be left on another. Nothing will follow you. I guarantee you. What will follow you is what I'm telling you. So that you will not enter heaven as an ordinary man. Even though you were a great man on this earth. So that you will enter heaven with rewards. You will enter heaven in a great way. Hallelujah. That's why I'm telling you what I'm telling you. There was a rich man and a poor man. The rich man died. He had nothing. The poor man died. He was in Abraham's bosom. What, a, what an amazing thing. Suddenly this rich man says, I have five brothers. They are fooling around like I did. Send somebody to my father's house that he may warn them. Why didn't this man tell them? Send that guy to, to my father's house to tell them maybe not to invest into
to that uh, company is going to be collapsed by the Bank of Ghana. Why didn't, they, why didn't he say that? Suddenly, he was in the realm of the spirit and nothing mattered to him again but where his five brothers would go. He said that he may warn them lest they also come to this place of torment. Torment. Suddenly, he realizes that preaching the gospel to the Lord is the most important thing. Yeah. I always tell people, the day you die, you will believe me. But it will be too late. When this earthly tabernacle is dissolved, oh, nothing will matter anymore. Nothing will matter anymore. Second Corinthians chapter 5. My time is up. I need to close. And all things are of God. Verse 18. Who has reconciled us to himself by Christ Jesus and has given to us now, I love this one because he didn't say, yeah, and he has given to maybe um, Apostle Paul. But he says us. Now, then if, if, please, if you are saying that this us maybe is for some group of people, then probably you are also not reconciled to God. Because he says, and all things are God who has reconciled Apostle Paul to himself. That's what he said. Who has reconciled us. That one, the old boss of God said, But now he has given us a ministry of reconciliation. No way you knew who him. No. He has given to us. In other words, the same group of people who have been reconciled. When you are reconciled to God by Jesus Christ, you that same person, not another one. You that same person, not the one who is an apostle. You the one who is reconciled, not the one who is a prophet. You the one who is born again, not the one who is an evangelist. You. You with no special calling, but reconciled. He has given to you the ministry of reconciliation. He has given you. It's your ministry. The earlier you accept it, the better. That's your ministry. To see people and tell them what Jesus has done. That's, that's your ministry. He has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. To wait that, that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and has committed unto us, and has committed unto us. Now this is very strong, Reverend Dennis, because now he says that God has committed it to us. Not even angels can preach the gospel. They don't even have that right. Only those who are reconciled can tell that story. Only those who are reconciled can tell that story. Angels are not permitted. You remember when an angel appeared to Cornelius? He said, send unto Peter. He shall tell thee words by which you and your household shall be saved. Why didn't the angel preach to him? He, he can't. He doesn't know what it means to be reconciled to God. He can't. He can't. That's why he uses the word. And has committed to us. If we keep quiet. We are stifling the gospel. That's why I said. If our gospel be hid. It is hid to them who are lost. Satan keeps ruling over them. He said the God of this has blinded their minds. Minds. Today I was with one gentleman. And I was asking him how his faith is. 
He's our church member. And he was telling me, Osofo, he said it in Jesus, Osofo, my papa crying himself, my sister. I said, I don't have no more son. I said, I don't have my papa two weeks. I don't have my papa crying himself, my sister. That's the power of the gospel. God has committed it to us. God has committed it to us. Oh. I tell you, God has, that's, it, is, it has been given to us. Those of us who are reconciled, it has been committed to us. The next verse even makes it stronger. Now then, in other words, now that you are born again, whether you believe it or not, it applies. Now then, we, we are ambassadors. That's what makes me to say, God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. Now Christ is in us, reconciling the world unto himself. That's the truth. I want us to pray that God will deliver us from deception. I think so. Yeah. Please don't get me wrong. We appreciate the giving and the time you spend to come to church. I appreciate Look, I know that Reverend Dennis appreciates it. The, the village ministry that I have, we have partners. They give to us every month. That's why we are able to go. But they must also just look beyond giving. Giving in that even angle is even good, you know, because now you are a partaker of whatever fruits we are, we are there. But, but, but don't just sit there and say, you know, just take my money and go. No, no. There are people who are where you are who are not where we are taking your money to go. What about them? They are in your office. We are not going to them. We are going to a village somewhere. You are giving us your money. But what about the one in your space? So if you don't look beyond just giving, you are going to miss the will of the Father. Amen. Shall we please rise? We'll continue tomorrow. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Have mercy on us. 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 I want us to pray because when they asked Jesus, what shall be the, the signs of, of, of the end? He said, the first thing Jesus said is beware that no man deceive you. He said, beware that you are not deceived. Deception is going to be one of the strong spirits in the end time. Deception. Deception. I want to read it so that we understand. Matthew 24, and then we pray. I want us to pray against the spirit of deception. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Verse 3 of Matthew 24. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately saying, Tell us, when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. The spirit of deception will enter the world and deceive even the church. Deceive even the church. We are praying for ourselves right now that God will deliver us from the spirit of deception as far as our mission of soul winning is concerned. Shall we please pray in the name of Jesus?
Kabarada bashatos. Inda baroka shatala bradas. Inda lababari amoka shatele mahandos. Inda labaketi labahoras tabas. Ye mando broko tila bashandere mas. I manda labrando kota labrades. Ye malia cobra hetira basades. Ye malika brodo sekele matayas. Enda la babaria konda restebe. Yemele kotibra hale kitos. Yemele kebrede hisonda la bayandis. In the name of Jesus. Please, please, I want you to pray. Let's lift up our right hand. Say in the name of Jesus. Say by the superior blood of our Lord Jesus. We overcome every spirit of deception in our lives. Against our lives. Against believers. Against members of this house. Say in the name of Jesus. Every spirit of deception that makes us. To limit ministry, soul winning, evangelism to people with a special calling. Say by the blood of the Lamb, we break that power of deception from our lives in the name of Jesus. Say, oh Lord, release me in my mind. Release me in my emotions from this deception. In the name of Jesus. You know, some people, what I'm saying is a deception, like on their thinking. They think that I will just work and do this. It's a lie from the devil. Say in the name of Jesus, oh Lord, release me in my mind. Renew my mind by the power of your word that I have heard tonight. Say, Holy Spirit, align my life to my mission, to the will of God for soul winning. Let my life be aligned in the name of Jesus. Say, right now, as I open my mouth in prayer, let a new fire of soul winning Enter my heart and govern my life in the name of Jesus. Shall we open our mouths and pray in the name of Jesus? Let a new fire of soul winning and govern my life in the name of Jesus. Ye malokobra hadis, ye makatali bazoas, endalabrati rosea, ye kelebrodosita, ye makandorobotire. Let that new fire enter my heart, oh God, in the name of Jesus. Fill me, Lord, with your fire. Fill me, Lord, with a fresh fire. Shall we please lift our hands? Let the fire of God that destroys blindfolds, powers of deception. He said, my God is a consuming fire. 
the fire that utterly destroys. Right now in the name of Jesus, let the fire of God fall. Destroy every deception, every weight of the enemy that has kept us from the main cause, that has kept us from the main thing. Let your fire fall, O God. Let your fire fall upon every life, upon every heart in this place. Let your fire fall. Let your fire enter every heart. Suddenly let our eyes open. Let's look beyond our secular work. Lord, we will work hard and honestly and excel in our secular work. But may we not be deceived to see them as the main thing. Suddenly you are opening our eyes. Suddenly you are causing us to see, Lord, that we are here to seek and to save the lost. With every hand lifted, oh God, let your fire fall on us. To open our eyes, to consume our blind, the blindfolding powers on us. Release us from the powers of deception and cause us to see, oh God. Cause us to see. Cause us to see. Cause us to see. We give you praise. We give you glory.